Good morning. I welcome you to worship on this warm Sunday morning. Uh, I hope you had a good week. Uh, and I welcome you to our time of virtual worship together. Again, my name is Craig Gomer. I'm the pastor here at the Furwood United Methodist Church. Uh, we, if this is the first time to our broadcast, you're encouraged to uh, let us know in the comments. And uh, if you are a regular attendee of our virtual worship services, please let us know you were here as well. You can like or comment uh, below the, the video. Uh, but we're so pleased that uh, we have you here, uh, if not in person here at the church in worship uh, virtually here since we are closed once again. Uh, as we come together at our time to worship, I would encourage you to uh, be in an attitude, a prayerful attitude of worship uh, as we join together in our call to worship today. Waiting and hoping, we gather together, seeking God's presence and singing God's praise. Waiting and hoping, we come now to worship, praying and listening for the Spirit's guidance. Waiting and hoping, we gather together, seeking God's presence and singing God's praise. Let's join together in hearing our first hymn today. Door shall be opened unto 
join me in our opening prayer. God of mystery, God of life, we imagine that we are capable judges of power and wisdom and goodness. We trust our own standards. We separate and categorize. We mark the performance of others. We fail to trust your power, hidden in all things. We fail to watch for you, working out your purposes. Gracious God, hidden and manifest, transform our withered imaginations until we yield the judgments we trust to a love we cannot control. Amen. Let's join together in silent prayers of confession and forgiveness. Hear the good news. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Sisters and brothers, nothing we have done, nothing we will ever do is enough to separate us from the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Amen. Let's join together before we hear our scriptures in this prayer of illumination. Spirit of life, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Meet us in words written, in words spoken. Intercede for us with sighs too deep for words until we shine with the hope that is hidden in our hearts. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 to 33, and then we skip all the way to 44, and we finish at verse 52. Hear these words. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of the great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then he sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, let me just get us set up. There we go. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. When NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter and seven others perished in a helicopter crash in last January, chances are that most people heard about it when a breaking news ticker scrolled across the bottom or the top of either their laptops or their TV screens. Some programs might have been interrupted with a breaking news bulletin. The words breaking news, of course, is always in red or some kind of bright color that draws your attention. When we see these words, we know that something amazing or something terrible, interesting, incredible, troubling, or heartbreaking has just happened. So we prepare in our hearts and minds to listen. And once we've listened, we also know that we're about to learn even more. Breaking news. Those two words are in and of themselves very interesting. I mean, what's the grammatical role of the word breaking? Certainly we know it's an adjective that modifies the word news. So maybe instead of what goes across your screen as breaking news, it should be news that is breaking. Or maybe you really couldn't care less. But the question still remains, just what is news that's breaking? I mean, think back to September 11th, 2001. We all know where we were at the time when news broke about the airplanes that went into the Twin Towers and the one that crashed into the Pentagon and the one out in Shanksville was crashed in a field. This news, like all breaking news, broke into our consciousness but it also broke into history. It ripped through our communities. It, it shredded our conventional ideas of what breaking news was about. It broke our and shredded our traditional assumptions and long-held beliefs about the world around us. It was news that altered and it, it modified, it shattered and forever changed something. John F. Kennedy. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Robert F. Kennedy, all of those assassinations in the 60s, the moon landing in 1969, the Challenger explosion. 
after those stories that I've mentioned, reality and life and human experience was never the same. These events were indeed breaking news. Or said in a different way, it was news that broke in upon our consciousness and our awareness. Our lives as we knew them changed on those particular days and even on the days following. Nothing was ever the same. Something indeed had been broken. That is the meaning and definition we hear from our gospel reading today in Matthew. Although it is news, it is nothing like the tragic breaking news stories that we've heard or that I've shared with you today. Here in the words of Matthew, the news that Jesus breaks is astonishing. It's incredible. It is good news. In fact, this is the way the announcement is framed in all the Gospels. Breaking news. Good news. If you go back to our prayer of confession, the words of assurance begin, hear the good news. The kingdom of God is upon us. The kingdom of God is within you. Or as John the Baptist would cry out, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus himself, after his baptism and temptation in the wilderness, began his ministry by announcing that same exciting, incredible, and utterly breaking news. He said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near Repent and believe in the good news. I think it's fair to say that most people, after hearing breaking news, say, I want to know more. Many of us have an unquenchable thirst for details. We want more information. We want more background. We want more understanding of what's been happening. If that describes any of us, then we will stay tuned to our TVs, our or check out our online news sites to see if we can find out more information. We want to know more. Here are some of the breaking headlines from this past week. U.S. COVID-19 cases rise past 4 million. Parents in one Georgia county with the highest COVID-19 rates protest sending their kids back to school. Renters struggle as hopes for congressional relief dim. Global stocks tumble as China tensions escalate and the U.S. economy struggles. Once you begin to see those headlines out there, you say to, my, say to yourself, I want to know more. I want to know what the context of that article says or that news story. Well, Jesus gives us that context in our scripture today with what he's telling the disciples. He tries to give them understanding and insight to this kingdom of heaven and that it has broken into the history. It shattered everything. But what does this incredible and amazing and daring action really mean Jesus explains all of this with what are called parables. He says, okay, the kingdom of God is, um, is like a mustard seed. Or, or if that doesn't work for you, try this. The kingdom of God is like yeast in dough. Or here's another one. It's like treasure in a field. It's like an expensive pearl. It's like a fishing net. 
I'm going to take a, a look at each of these briefly that can help us draw some conclusions from what Jesus has said to the disciples and says to us today. Let's start with that mustard seed. We need to first be aware that cultivating mustard seeds was a profitable activity in Jesus' day. Spices of all sort were always a saleable commodity in the local markets there. Jesus said this seed is so small that in its sowing of it, it's almost invisible. While many more seeds are actually smaller than these mustard seeds, Jesus' point is that from this virtually invisible seed that you plant, a huge shrub or tree, as it's described in Matthew, develops large enough for birds to nest and rest. Large enough to draw multiple numbers of birds to nest and to rest. This, he's trying to get across, is an image of the kingdom of God where once it's there and you see it and that it has grown, all can come and nest and rest. Its power is so great that no matter how small the work, no matter how small the seed that is sown, it results in something great and amazing. Some commentators believe that the reference to the bird speaks to the nature of the kingdom. That is, the kingdom is a hospitable place where all can find shelter, where all can find rest. The kingdom of God, in other words, is not some thorny shrub or bush where little birds are pierced, they're uncomfortable, where they're judged or unwelcome. This image reminds us that we cannot do everything. All we can do is plant the seed. Some seeds might be virtually invisible to the eyes of others, insignificant, meaningless, unimportant. And while we may not see the shrub in our lifetime, the seeds we plant that God grows and waters develops into a work that is important and meaningful, that is breaking good news. Jesus then goes on to share about the yeast. And this too says something similar as the mustard seed part did. That which is small, virtually invisible, yields an astounding product much larger than itself. We need to remember that leaven, or yeast, is more often used in Scripture as a symbol of contamination, of corruption. But here, instead of the idea of yeast meaning spreading of evil or ill will, Jesus is using yeast as a different symbol, as a symbol of the kingdom of heaven itself. Though still hidden within that flower, it will soon become an irresistible force shaping not just the dough, but human history. Again, Jesus is emphasizing not the external growth that we see with that yeast, but something that is happening inwardly. That leaven works within that dough. Jesus is driving home the principle about the kingdom of God. It faithfully penetrates, permeates, and pervades the neighborhood, the culture, and the world into which it has been introduced. Dough without yeast is heavy, thick, tasteless. Dough into which yeast has been introduced is completely different. 
the kingdom of God is a changing agent. It causes expansion, development, movement, changes, transformation. So when you think about the yeast, what is your image of the kingdom of God when we think about that? Is it the leavened loaf of bread, the risen loaf? Or is it an unleavened piece of flatbread? For whatever reason, the lectionary skips a whole host of chapter 13 after verse 33. Then what follows almost seems like Jesus is giving the disciples a little bit of a pop quiz to see whether they understand what he is sharing. In fact, some scholars say these are so straightforward, they're not even parables. The first two of these images here share a common theme. People becoming disciples in response to their perception of God's presence in their lives. In both cases, the kingdom of heaven is compared to a valuable treasure. These are analogies that would be common in the Jewish tradition that also identified wisdom as a treasure. So the first one Jesus talks about is a treasure in the field and an expensive pearl. It was not uncommon in the first century for someone who had something quite valuable to bury that precious item in their backyard or in their field. That way the object was protected from marauders or thieves. Jesus' story in our scriptures presumes that someone has found a treasure in a field accidentally. So what is that person going to do? The person buys the field so they can legally claim the treasure within that field. The purchase of a priceless pearl is a different matter. In this case, the pearl is not discovered accidentally. The pearl is discovered by someone who is shopping for precious gems or something else. Finding this incredible pearl and knowing the value of that pearl sells everything off he owns to purchase it. So here's the breaking news. The kingdom of God is more precious than anything in this world. Give up everything to possess the kingdom. This has been Jesus' message time and time again. How many times have we heard stories in the scriptures of people dropping everything and following him and others who refuse to drop anything in order to follow Jesus? Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus gave him what to do and he couldn't do it. And he was left behind. The disciples and others did drop everything to follow Jesus. They followed his principle of self-denial and picking up one's cross. Jesus also seems to imply a sort of hidden quality to that kingdom of God, doesn't he? The treasure is buried The pearl is tucked inside that shell, and still some people stumble upon the kingdom of God anyway, even if it is accidental. Some are searching for it and find it. But regardless, once it's discovered, we are to rid ourselves of anything that would deny complete possession of this incredible pearl of great price. The last story that he shares may be the most exciting of all, especially for people living under the thumb of the Roman Empire at the time. It is a message that someday the kingdom of God will triumph over evil. 
Here in this story, we have the breaking news of the kingdom of God, and that news was and is the announcement that the kingdom of God isn't just present. It is a future reality. Like the story of the wheat and the weeds, someday the bad fish will be separated from the good. The wheat separated from the weeds. The evil will be separated from the righteous. Rather than let the disciples guess what the meaning of this was, Jesus immediately provides the translation of that image. He left no chance for the disciples to misinterpret what he was saying. God's invitation to gather all people together, Jesus says, will be followed by a winnowing period where evil will be separated. That was the good news for the disciples. That's the good news for us. For many people today, the times in which we live are dangerous. They are confusing. They are crushing times. We're surrounded by so many ways of thinking. Evil and unrighteousness are all around us. We often feel threatened, and so we decide we're going to hunker down in the bunker, the bunker of despair and uncertainty. The scripture reading reminds us to step out into the light, into that marvelous light of certain victory and triumph of the righteous. Not just long time from now, but right here and right now. Although you're likely to see the news headlines of the day in that breaking news crawl at the bottom or at the top of your TV screen, we often encounter it in newspapers and online and in a font that's printed in that you just can't ignore. You have to click on the stories. Sometimes the headlines end up giving unintended meanings. For example, here are some headlines that made it the press that probably shouldn't have. Something went wrong in the jet crash, expert says. Miners refused to work after death. Juvenile court to try shooting defendant. Red tape holds up new bridges. New study of obesity looks for larger test group. Local high school dropouts cut in half. Typhoon rips through cemetery, hundreds dead. Those are actual news story headlines, folks. You can't make this stuff up. But think about it. All that we've said so far, here's the really true breaking news for you. We can leave all of this in the hands of God. We can go back to being the church. We can be a mustard seed. We can be the yeast in the loaf of bread Jesus says that we don't have to bury our treasure. So what does all of this mean for us? If you look back later today at verses 51 and 52, Jesus says, have you understood all of this? And they answered, yes. Then Jesus says, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new, and what is old. In other words, bring it all out. The best china and silverware. Put your treasure on display of the kingdom of God. We do not and should not hide our light under a bushel. We are agents of a new kingdom. 
We are heralds and messengers breaking the best news possible upon a world eager to hear some good news. And you say to me, so what? I know the good news. In this difficult time, more people need to hear the good news. So my question is, where can you be the mustard seed in the life around you? Where can you plant and let God water and grow it? Where can you be the yeast in the dough of somebody's life? Where can you put that yeast in of what the kingdom is all about and your faith and let God take care of the rest? Are you too busy hiding your treasure of a pearl someplace? Have you found that hidden treasure of the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and you decide to hide it and not share it? Jesus is making clear to the disciples and to us that we are to do what we can to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We even pray that. But we're to be part of it. This breaking news of the kingdom of God is not stagnant. It doesn't stay in one place. It is always moving, living, transforming. And we can be a part of that by being the mustard seed in our community, by being the yeast in our community, by sharing the treasure that we have found in Jesus Christ. Where are you sowing the seeds of the good news of Jesus Christ? One of the things we might not see is the results of our ministry. We want things right here and right now. We're in this fast food mentality. I plant the seed, let it grow. But sometimes it takes a while to cultivate, doesn't it? It's the same here with the kingdom of God. We are called to be the seed, the yeast, to share that treasure. And we might not see the results, but we are still called to plant. We are still called to share the treasure of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm challenging each of you to be that seed, that yeast this week, and always. Think about one person in your life who you want to plant the seed with to let them know about who you are and who Christ is and who they are in Jesus Christ. You're not going to tell them to repent like Jesus did and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. You just need to be their friend. You just need to plant that seed so that they then want to know, like we do with breaking news, that they want to know more that they want to dive deeper into the faith. Find that one person around you that you can plant that seed with, that you can share the treasure of Christ with. You might not see the results, but that doesn't mean we'd stop doing it. We do it again and again and again so the kingdom of God will grow beyond measure. Amen. As we come together at our time of prayer, there are many people that are on our hearts and on our minds. And there'll be an opportunity where you can 
Say those names out loud or in the silence of your hearts as we pray today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, you always remember the covenant you have made with us and you remain steadfast in it. We who have received your great goodness come before you to sing our songs of glory to your holy name. A part of your promise to us is that there is nothing on earth or in heaven that will separate us from your great love in Christ. We are people of the promise, but we often fail to live as if we believe in it. We've been given the treasure of knowing you, but we do not pray for the wisdom to receive it and hold it as valuable. We lack the faith, even the size of a grain of the mustard seed, to seize the full meaning of the grace you've offered. Where we have fallen short of conforming to the image of Christ, we ask your forgiveness, good Lord. By the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit, enable us to see where we may find the true values of life. Give us the vision to humble ourselves before you in order that we might advance the coming reign of your Son here on earth. Many have labored for rewards that they failed to receive. We remember this day people who we know who have worked for the fullness of life and have been kept from obtaining their goals because of injury or disease, which hurts the body. We lift up those who are troubled in mind or in spirit. In your everlasting mercy, grant them peace and relief from suffering and restore them. Hear our prayers this day. May they rise like incense as we lift up the Tremaine and Menzies family, as we pray for Dawn and Aaron, for Jim and Barb, for Randy and Jen as they begin their life together and family as husband and wife and children. We pray for Jerry, for Rich and for Janet. We pray for Mike and Ashley, for Jacoby and Lily, for Tom and Clara, for Kathy and for Caitlin, for Pat and Tom, for John and Olivia, for Christy and James. We pray for those who are suffering from addiction. We pray for those who are suffering or have suffered from all kinds of abuse. We pray for our country and for the world, Lord, as we continue to see the effects of COVID-19 on so many people. And there are others who seem to think that they are invincible. Lord, we call upon you to help give us the courage to continue to live as a faithful people. And as United Methodists, the first do no harm as we continue to live in this COVID-19 time. We pray for our bishop, Bishop Jeremiah Park, and for the cabinet, for our district superintendents, for pastors, for churches. We pray for our United Methodist Church. We pray now that we hear of tension between China and the United States. We continue to see protests in Portland. We ask that peace become the word of the day and not violence. And lastly, we pray for our military and their families wherever they may be serving. 
Since nothing separates us from your love, O Lord, hear now these things we ask, for we ask you to grant them as you love us. In Christ Jesus our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we prepare to close our time together, I would encourage you to prepare your hearts and minds as we hear our final hymn. Let's join together in our going forth today. Like treasure hidden in a field, Christ offers us the kingdom of God. All things work together for good for those who love God. Like a pearl of great price, Christ offers us the kingdom of heaven. All things work together for good for those who wait for God. Like a mustard seed that grows into a great shrub, Christ offers us the realm of of God's blessing. 
All things work together for good for those who abide in God's spirit. As you go forth here today, my prayer for you is that you would, again, consider yourself and your life as that mustard seed, as that yeast that goes out into the world to sprinkle that yeast and to plant those seeds, the seeds of the kingdom, that other people may come to know who Christ is, that other people may come to be transformed by his love and his grace and his mercy. Let's be the seed. There's one hymn that says, you are the seed and you are. You're called to plant, you're called to offer the yeast to help things to grow and God will water it. And you're called to share the treasure of the kingdom of God with others. So as you go forth, go now in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Have a great week, friends.